Hey, so if you, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to Proverbs chapter 2. And we've been in the book of Proverbs trying to figure out how can we break through. So often in life, we feel stuck somewhere. We feel like we are, are stuck because of our, uh, whatever we've done or what's been going on, and we can't just move. And uh, Proverbs offers us all of this wisdom, God's wisdom, uh, to us. And I've, you've probably heard people say things like, man, I'm just my own worst enemy, right? What does that mean? It means that I keep doing foolish things or stupid things uh, that cause harm to me. And that's true. You know, foolish words can lead to fights, and fights can lead to damaged relationships, and laziness can lead to cutting corners or losing a job or all kinds of things. Greed can lead to all sorts of arrogance and, and bad decisions. You know, Proverbs talks about how flirting eyes can lead to death. It says, a man seduced by another woman walks into his own grave. I mean, there's all of these things in Proverbs that say, be wise, be wise, be wise. And I imagine many of us, we could make a list of things that we wish we could do over. I think, man, if I could just do this one thing over, or these 10 things over, or these 10 years over, if I could just do that over, I could have saved myself so much grief, and I could have been such a greater blessing to my family, my friends, and people here and there. And you know what? We, we, we don't do any good just to beat ourselves up over and over about that. However, we can learn and we can say, God, I want to be, be filled with your wisdom. And I don't want to repeat the mistakes of my past. And I want to pass on the blessings that you want to give to me and the wisdom that you want to give to me. And so I do want to change and be changed by you. And Erwin McManus says that we should work twice as hard on our character as we should on our competencies. And so often we get so caught in like, I'm trying to do this one thing better. You know, I'm trying to be so much better at my job or so much better at um, a sport or a hobby or something that, that's important to us and even a good thing. But first, we want to really think about our character and how is our character changed by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit interacting within us. And so that's really what we're after in this series that we've just called Breakthrough because we believe God brings us breakthroughs. And, and that breakthrough may not be your circumstance, may not all change today. But the real breakthrough that God promises and delivers on every time is the breakthrough within you, in your heart. He, he lets you break through. And then oftentimes, sometimes our situations and circumstances might change around us. And we get to, we get to celebrate that breakthrough as well. So what we're chasing is God's wisdom. Not just man's wisdom, but God's wisdom. And that word wisdom or wise is used 407 times in the Bible, and 114 of those times are in Proverbs. I mean, Proverbs just has 31 chapters. That's a lot of one word into that book. And our culture values all these things. But think about what Proverbs, what the Bible values. Proverbs 4.7 says, Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it cost you all you have, Get understanding. You almost picture this, this person who's just sacrificing everything, bank accounts, possessions, time, everything for the sake of wisdom. That Proverbs says, chase it like that. Proverbs 8, uh, verse 10 and 11 says, Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than ruby, rubies, and nothing you desire 
can compare to her. You know, we desire lots of stuff. Do you remember that uh, MTV uh, music video back in the 90s when MTV played music videos? Um, and there was that music video with that, with that guy who wakes up in the morning and he starts his morning off like looking in scripture and just like kind of seeking wisdom. And then he goes off and prays and then he goes and seeks like this really wise counsel and advice. And there's these temptations of like money and just chasing women and fame. And he turns them all away to pursue wisdom. Do you remember that? Me neither. <laughs> they never made it because our culture says chase all of that other stuff. That's what you want to chase to be great. And here comes scripture and God's timeless truth saying, no, 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 let's chase wisdom with all that we've got so we don't have to be stuck in our own foolish choices all of the time. So I want to turn your attention to Proverbs chapter 2. I want to read these first 10 verses from this chapter uh, for us. My son... If you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul." Say that last verse with me. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Oh, that's what God gives and that is a good gift. Throughout Proverbs, oftentimes wisdom is depicted as a she, lady wisdom. And there's this picture of lady wisdom setting up her, her dining room table with this lovely meal. And she goes out to the balcony and she says, hey, to all the simple, foolish people, to the people who are their own worst enemy, to the people stumbling around in foolishness, come on over and learn from wisdom. Eat wisdom. Partake of wisdom. Hear God's wisdom. Let your life be changed. But in other places in Proverbs, we have kind of lady foolishness. And lady foolishness is like, shh. Don't let anybody see you. Don't let, any, don't let anybody know that you're here. And, and sneak on in and come on. I knew I should have got that robot microphone. <laughs> and how about Michelle's Star Trek shirt? That was pretty awesome. Oh, good Mother's Day shirt. Um, okay, so you got, you got Lady Wisdom saying, come, listen to wisdom. But you have this foolishness, and she's saying, hey, my husband's out of town. Come on over. 
Nobody will know. And when Proverbs talks about wisdom versus foolishness, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what's the voice of wisdom and what's the voice of foolishness, right? You can, you can tell. Because the person who spends time just listening and looking, thinking, okay, I can see it here. It's not some trick formula that you have to uncover. You have to do some mathematical equation to figure out what is wisdom. The wisdom comes from God, and it protects us. So I want to tell you a story of a woman that I find remarkably wise, and it's one of those little stories tucked away in 1 Samuel 25. It's one of those stories you could forget really easily, and when I when you go back and read these stories, you're like, oh, I'd kind of forgotten about this for a while. But I just want to kind of summarize, kind of tell you the story a little bit. So David, before he was king, was being chased around the countryside by King Saul. King Saul was very jealous. And so David had this little band of warriors with him, and they didn't have a lot of people, but you don't want to mess with these guys. I mean, they were, they were valiant warriors. And so as they're moving around the countryside, kind of hiding out, they would, they would kind of set up shop in different places and roaming around. And they came to this place uh, nearby, owned by this really wealthy man who had, had his own clan there of family and friends and people loyal to him, and he kind of owned the place. His name was Nabal. And uh, Nabal was not very smart. In fact, um, we have a picture that archaeology uncovered of him, and I think it's right here. That's him right there. Um, okay, that's not really him, but for real, his name means pouch that holds wine. And it, his name means like folly. And so when you think of like a foolish drunkard, think about Nabal, okay? He was married to Abigail. She's kind of the opposite of Nabal. The text describes her as beautiful and intelligent. Now you're thinking, well, why did she marry him? She probably had no choice in that culture. Um, and so sometimes you're in a place, it was not your own doing, but you're stuck with this, whatever it might be, this job, this career, this neighborhood, uh, wherever it might be, you're stuck somewhere, and you just have to figure out, how can I still be wise here? And so... Uh, David sends word off to Nabal, and he says, hey, we're kind of camping out nearby, and we've, we've talked to some of your people, and your shepherds were out there, and we see your livestock here, and we've made sure to take care of everything. We want to treat you really well. We want to be good neighbors. Just wanted you to know that we are here. Hope that we can work together. We've tried to help you. would appreciate if you could help us some, and tries to just be very polite and cordial. And Nabal just starts insulting them. Saying like, well, who's David? I don't know who he is. I, don't, I could care less about him. I'm not going to give him anything. Why don't you guys get out of here? And just starts insulting them. And so David's men come back to him, and they're like, David, like Nabal, here's what he said. And they tell him, and David says this, boys, strap on your swords, because this is going to get ugly. And it would have gotten real ugly for Nabal, not for David. He had the swords on his side. So he thinks this thing is escalating. Anyway, the people go back, and Abigail finds out what happens. She finds out that her husband, Nabal, has insulted David like a moron and that he's going to get them all killed. And so the text says that she immediately got some people together, gathered some provisions and some food, and sneaks out of, uh, of the house 
and goes to find David. And she finds David and she, she kneels down and she says, David, may I, may I please have a word with you? He says, sure. And she says, pay no attention to my husband. Any woman ever said that? Anybody here? Anybody want to? Anybody said that this morning? Pay no attention to the man. Um, just ignore him. Now, that's not what we're teaching you to do today, okay? Don't go home and blame me for saying that. But that's what she, she says. Pay no attention to him. He's a drunkard and a fool. And wherever he goes, folly goes with him. And she says, we don't want to make war with you. Uh, but here... Just to show how sincere we are, here's some gifts. Here's some food for you and for the men with you, and uh, we hope to be at peace with you. And then she references a number of times, we know that the Lord your God is with you, and, and we, we, we pray God's blessing upon you. And, and so she acknowledges that God is in all of this story. And David, being wise, realizes, oh, Nabal doesn't speak for all of them. Like, they're not all just ready to go fight. In fact, they're probably all kind of hijacked by Nabal. He's the power one, but that's, they, they're not all with him. And so David says, yeah, 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 of course. We're, I appreciate that. We're going to stand down. And so Abigail goes back home. She finds Nabal. She's going to tell him, but he's drunk. I, it seems like that's probably how she normally finds him. So he sleeps it off. Next day, she goes and she says, hey, um, Nabal, I don't know if she told him the whole story about the pay no attention part, but she said, hey, you remember how you insulted David's men? Do you know they, they like are a well-armed machine and they were going to come like mow us down? So here's what I did and I kind of saved us. And it says, Nabal became like stone and he falls down. I don't know what medically happened. But he falls down and lays there, and 10 days later, he dies. And uh, you don't read about, like, this long period of grief in the, in the, in the town. <laughs> it seems to be a good thing. Because when Nabal dies, the foolish ruler is gone, and there can be peace again. And there's, there's a whole kind of second part of the story with Abigail. But I just want to pause right there and point out a couple of really incredible things that we see with how Abigail was wise. And I think we can learn from that. And moms can learn from that, and dads can learn from that, and siblings and friends and neighbors and church members. We can all learn from this because I see three ways. I'm just going to mention these real quickly in which Abigail chose wisdom because she chose it over several things. And the first is she chose wisdom over fear. And if you want to write that down, we've got a sermon page for you with this little outline to maybe help you remember that she chose wisdom over fear. You realize she could have got herself killed. When she was trying to sneak away with the stuff, Nabal finds out he's drunk. He's probably going to kill her. Who knows what he's going to do? But she chooses to do something different. And when you choose wisdom, you may have to exit the status quo. You may have to exit what you're used to, what's normal, what you've been stuck in for a really long time. But wisdom sometimes says step out and do something different. It's time to be different than, than what you've done. And it is scary, isn't it, for most of us? There's a few people that are just, you know, they're hoping, you know, some of these moms are hoping to go skydiving today because they're just adventure junkies. But most of the rest of us are like, I don't want to do anything totally crazy new today. 
If, if we want to do that, let's talk about it. Give me a little bit of time to work my way up to it. But sometimes wisdom says you got to move past that fear and do what God is calling you to do. It might cost you. It might cost you everything, but you're not really worried about that more than you are just being wise and choosing wisdom. Second thing, she chose wisdom over apathy. I think it would have been really easy for her to say, it's not really my problem. It's not really my thing. It's not really my place to interject here. I'll just kind of try to survive this. Hope it goes away. I think we do that a lot in our culture. Um, I, I think that it's so easy to just let things slide and go by, but it says, like, she, like, immediately started getting stuff together and doing the right thing, uh, doing the wise thing. I think when times of crisis come, you just got to think, man, what's, what's the wise thing for me to do, like, right now? And as we plan out longer in life, what's the wise thing for me to do 10 years from now? And because of that, what should I do 10 days from now? And because of that, what should I do 10 minutes from now? And just thinking about wisdom instead of just sitting back and letting the world go by and the world shape us and culture shape us. Instead, we're saying, God, I want you to shape us. This third thing I think is the most difficult. And it's actually kind of a difficult message on Mother's Day. But she chose wisdom over loyalty. Ooh. Now, Loyalty is a great thing. God honors commitment, certainly family commitment. In fact, there, you know, there are plenty of commands about that in the Bible. So it gets a little messy here. But God honored Abigail because she chose wisdom over foolish loyalty. And it's really easy to choose foolish uh, loyalty. And just kind of think about this with me. We, we choose loyalty over wisdom when parents enable a manipulative child. How does that go? We, we choose loyalty over wisdom when a friend believes a dishonest friend in a situation. How does that go, the loyalty? Or we choose loyalty over wisdom when a person values what they can extort from somebody rather than what's good for everybody else. It's easy to choose loyalty over wisdom. How about in the world of politics? Any politicians ever choose loyalty to a party over just wisdom and what's the right thing to do? So sometimes God is saying, I, I want you to be loyal, but sometimes you're going to have to put that loyalty aside to actually honor me. And boy, that's tough, especially with families, especially with people we've known for a long time. And sometimes God may call you to gently and lovingly say, I'm choosing wisdom over loyalty in this situation. I still love you. I'll be kind to you. I care for you. But I'm not going to let you manipulate this situation. Or I'm not going to let you walk off a cliff to your own death. Or I'm not going to let you destroy this family or this church or this small group or this business or this team. Because I'm going to choose wisdom over loyalty. And again, I, I've been thinking about this. I'd be glad to get your feedback. My hunch is here that our culture chooses loyalty over wisdom. And, and it's almost that loyalty has become the God. I don't care what my family does, I will choose them, even if they ask me to do the wrong thing. For kids, this gets, this gets really tricky. And I think usually choosing loyalty is the same thing as choosing wisdom. And, and that's usually the case. 
as we enter in adult life, sometimes so even in teenage life, that's start of the battle, right? So we got to pray and we got to read the word and get wisdom so we can navigate that. But that is tough. So the book of James describes Abigail's wisdom really well. James says this, but wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. So if you're thinking, is, am I a wise person? Is this person wise? Then you can just run it through this filter. Well, am I pure, peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, good fruit, impartial and sincere? If I am, then I'm being pretty wise in that moment. But the Bible says this. It makes the case for this, that wisdom is not the sum of your knowledge. It's the sum of your actions. Now, knowledge is really, really important. You can't be wise without knowledge. But with that knowledge, that's not the end goal, is it? Just to know a lot of stuff? But what we look at in the Bible is that wisdom is ultimately measured by your actions. So what are you doing? By the way, that means that discipleship, growing with the Lord, is not ultimately measured by a Bible challenge quiz. Okay? That learning more is not the end game as a Christian. It should always be part of the game. It should always be part of our practice to keep learning and learning and learning. But the end goal is transformed lives and your transformed life. And so your goal in discipleship as you grow is not to just think, how can I learn? But how can I learn and change and grow and let God keep nudging me and changing me and working on me because it's never over. God keeps nudging us and moving us. So we measure it by our actions. James 3.13 says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his life, by his good life. We, we looked at the story of uh, the two people who built houses, one on the rock and one on the sand several weeks ago. Now, the person who built it on the sand could have had a Ph.D. in structural engineering. But if you build your house on the sand, it doesn't really matter, does it? We build it on the rock. We build it on God's word, and then we are obedient to that word. Proverbs 31, which if you have a daughter, this is what you want to pray for her. If you have a granddaughter, if you have a niece, a friend, you want to pray that they become the Proverbs 31 woman. But here's some of the wise things it describes as a Proverbs 31 woman. She's hardworking. She's up before the sun. And maybe she just stays up way after the sun if she's, you know, wired that way. That's okay. But she's a crazy hard worker. She's smart. She's got financial savvy. She's compassionate. I love how the Proverbs phrases it. She, she opens her hands to the poor. There's never this clutching of just her stuff. But quick to give away to help other people. And she's devoted to her family. She's one who is wise. And so we've been challenging you to take the breakthrough challenge as we've launched this series through Proverbs. And here's what that is. It's three pretty simple things, but they can change your life. The first thing is this. We want to challenge you to read one proverb a day. So today is May 12th. So we're going to read Proverbs 12. Okay. Tomorrow we'll read Proverbs 13. So we want to encourage you to read one proverb a day. There's 31. It works out real nice. Secondly, part of this challenge 
is to repeatedly ask God for wisdom. If you're not doing that, then maybe set an alarm. So five or six times a day, you get an alarm going off, and you're like, oh, what's that? Oh, yeah, I need to ask God right now for wisdom. We want it to just become a part of our life, a rhythm of our life, so that when we're walking in uh, to a friend's house or we're, we're getting ready for a family dinner or we're headed off to work, that we're just pausing and saying, God, would you please give me wisdom? And God says, I absolutely will. The Bible says he's generous in giving his wisdom uh, to, to us. And wisdom comes from knowing God and then listening to him. Proverbs 11.2 says, uh, this was yesterday's reading, one of the, my favorite Proverbs. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. So it is in asking God that we say, I don't have all the wisdom yet. I need a ton of it from God. I need it desperately from God. So I'm going to keep asking God for wisdom. So read one proverb a day. We ask God repeatedly for wisdom. And the third part of this breakthrough challenge that we've been going over is that we want to invite other people into our lives. And we know that we have shortcomings that other people can help us see. So invite people into your life that can speak wisdom into you. Invite people also into your life who need you to care for them. This is a perfect day to do this. You know, Mother Teresa said, we draw our circles around family too small. And I love that the church family, as Gabrielle even talked about earlier, can, can care for people and say, you are my family. And I'm going to care for you. Today is a beautiful opportunity. I want to encourage you, if you have any extra food or room at your table, to find some people before you leave today. Or maybe to find a neighbor and say, you want to come be with us. You want to, we want to share life with you. And maybe it can't work today, but maybe there's going to be other times of like, hey, I know we're going to the park. Or I know I'm going to go to the movies. Or I'm going to go to a coffee shop. Can you invite someone to be part of your life? God calls us to be hospitable. And that has more to do with your heart than your house. It might involve your house too but involves in you making people feel welcome in your life, to be family. God has called us to be family and to care for one another. So I want to just give you a couple of moments here just to be quiet and just to listen to God, just to ask him for his wisdom and what that means for you. Would you just take a couple of moments and be quiet and ask God to speak wisdom to you? If you would, would you stand up with me? That moment of quiet we had right there, we want you to long for that every day, to have some moments of quiet every day. We're so glad that you could be here with us. If you would like someone to pray for you from our prayer team, we'll have some folks up at the front. And right when my prayer is done, you can come and they will find you and pray for you right up here. Um, before you leave today, if you want to know what does it mean to follow Jesus and what about baptism or, or maybe you're, there's just something hard going on in your life, then we would love to meet with you and pray with you right up here um, just as, as soon as this closing prayer is finished. Um, also, I want to make sure and say hey to Jordan and Stephanie. Uh, thank you for serving the Lord in India. Uh, and if you know Jordan and Stephanie, go by and say hello to them. I'm so glad that you can be here today. And uh, thank you all for being part of this church family and helping us love others. And so I just want to ask God's blessing on us as we leave today. 
And, uh, and uh, so if you would, just join me in prayer. God, we, we say thank you for loving us and caring for us. And I pray that you would help us break through places in our life where we are stuck. Uh, that you would do something inside of us to trust you and to seek your wisdom. And Lord, we pray that as we leave here today, that our hearts would be wide open and we would open our hands to others and care for people. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You're dismissed.